Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Matt on from Nomadic, and we're going to be learning about the business case, the use case, or cost benefit analysis, for why practitioners buy Nomadic. So, we're going to jump right into it. Matt, uh, please do a, uh, the audience a favor and introduce both yourself and Nomadic. Yeah, and thanks, William. I'm sure. excited to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Matt Burr. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Nomadic, Nomadic Learning. Um, and we are, we're a leadership development solution, mostly used in larger enterprises, but increasingly used in, in smaller and mid-sized enterprises as well. Um, and our mission is to transform managers into leaders. And so we work with our bigger clients to build what we call leadership academies, which are kind of ongoing places where you can come and and improve yourself as a leader and i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about what we what that means and, and how we do that but yeah that's that's where we sit and i've been doing this kind of work for a very long time i've been in in and around leadership development originally in in person uh i've worked and lived in china for a long time doing that and then i did had some earlier startups that were kind of content-based and then have been running Nomadic for the past um, eight years or so. And yeah, excited to kind of talk more and awesome. see, see what we can. So tell me, tell, uh, tell the audience uh, when you say leadership academies, let's, let's, let's kind of give them some, uh, some, some four walls of that. What does that usually look like for your clients? Yeah. I mean, so I think most of our clients are, you know, are either formal leadership development buyers or they're in the CLOs organization and, um, and oftentimes what we're doing is we're coming into an existing situation where there's a sort of hodgepodge of leadership development solutions, um, some of which are kind of big open libraries of content, all the way up to like highly bespoke custom executive education kind of kind of things. Um, we sort of, we, 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 a nomadic academy really targets somewhere in between there when that we are usually servicing thousands or sometimes even tens of thousands of managers. Um, but with kind of, it's a highly social and a kind of community-based experience. So when you come and join the academy, you start taking programs and you do start connect, you know, consuming content. But probably the more important thing is you start building relationships and building networks. And over time, an academy becomes a kind of as much a social hub as it is a content hub for managers and leaders and organizations who are who are looking to get better uh, at their at their job. So. Um, and historically, you know, leadership development usually was kind of pretty segmented. So people would get leadership development opportunities at particular moments in their career. You might have something early on. If you're a high potential, you would get something when you first became a manager, maybe again, when you became a manager of managers. Um, we're trying to kind of democratize and sort of say, well, actually, in the world that's changing as fast as it is, and, and with the role of managers changing as quickly as it is and all the new stuff on managers' plates and managing things like the transition to remote and hybrid work and so on, you really need to have an always-on meaningful way to do leadership development all the time, not just at these particular moments. And it has to be 
what all leadership development is, which is inherently social and connected to other people. So leadership development is one of these things that just doesn't work as a learning thing if you're just off on your own all the time studying stuff because leadership is an inherently social thing. It's about your interactions with other people. And so studying by yourself ultimately just doesn't work, which is why the best leadership development programs in person always you know, are built around the connections you're making with the other people there. And we're trying to bring that into the enterprise at scale to make sure that those same kind of relationships can be built uh, through a digital medium. So historically, leadership development uh, has, was seen as for, for high potentials uh, or high performers, et cetera, kind of an exclusive group of people, right? Yeah. Uh, inside of an organization, especially large enterprise, it was just for a select group. And, you know, they had program programmatically, they had stuff that they were learning. And, and a lot of it was also nurturing uh, towards the succession plan as well. Like there was a, there was a legit reason for that. Um, and in some, co- some companies also have LMSs. Um, where they house content, either they build their own content or they go and get content from other places, you know, and then they put it into their LMS or, you know, worse, they have an LMS and it has no content uh, and it's not used by, and it's not used by their employees or managers or leaders or et cetera. So in, in those, you know, you know, the history of those things. So does the audience. Where do y'all, I mean, where positionally, where do you, where do you position the academies? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of an LMS or really, an, and the kind of like the successor to the LMS is the LXP, the learning experience platform. Mm-hmm. So things like Degreed or, um, you know, that have kind of, that's, that's the, we, we sit a layer above those usually in the stack. Um, mm. We, 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 we talk about horizontal, a lot about horizontal versus vertical solution. So an LMS is a horizontal solution it, to the extent that it has content in there. It's, it, it can range from compliance to technical right. skills, content to leadership development, to all kinds of things. So it's sort of like an all things to all people um, are, and, and that's fine. There's a real role for that. We, we, when we say we are a layer up, we're, we're focused on one vertical. So in this particular, and, and we actually, we actually focus on two verticals and I'll talk about our HR education offering in a second. But the main thing we say is like leadership is its own thing. It needs its own kind of content. It actually needs its own kind of approach. So we, you know, we run all of our leadership development through cohort based, uh, a kind of cohort based approach to learning. And we can talk more about what we mean by that. But the content that we develop is for for leaders. It's and it's it's for particular modes for generating conversation in those cohorts. The way we structure learner journeys over time. Anyway, it's by going vertical by saying we don't have to be all things to all people, but we are going to be the best thing in this area for this particular thing. Right. It opens up a whole new world of functionality, of content, of interactions, of all and data. Like you're getting much more meaningful data because. The, the limitation when you're trying to be horizontal is that the compliance training, the leadership development training, the sales training all have to be, they're constrained in what they can be by the limitations of the technology. Right. Um, and in fact, when we started Nomadic, we thought like, okay, we were content people, like we're going to make the best content and we'll work with the platform provider. But we, you, you very soon realize that like the platforms has, have these restrictions on them that actually do not have anything to do with improving the user experience. They're about either ease of administration or standardization in a kind of older way of thinking about that. Right. 
Um, and in a world now of like APIs and cloud-based and whatever, a lot of that need to be like, have every block of content be exactly the same so that it all can come out of the same system has really disappeared. That there's not much cost advantage in that anymore. And what you lose in terms of user experience um, and, and kind of engagement levels is enormous. So like, you know, by, I think the key, our key is vertical focus. We get the best thinkers and most interesting people on leadership. We stage these interesting conversations about leadership. We encourage people to come in. And when we see completion rates just for our programs, usually in the high 70s or low 80%, whereas LMS-based courses, you know, are way lower than that. Usually. Oh, yeah. Like sometimes, well, I, yeah. So, And the hodgepodge of, of LMS. And again, again, useful, needed. We're not going <clears> to, <throat> we don't need to you know, disparage them in any way. But but the reason that I've heard from users that they're not as excited about it in LMS is because, you know, they get their sexual harassment training, you know, internet policy stuff, and at the same time, some skills-based stuff, and, and then potentially managerial training or leadership training as well. And it's like, there's so much, but it also has some stigma around it being compliance-driven. And so it's like, you know, I, I don't, <clears throat> this is, this is a place I have to go to, not necessarily a place I want to go to. Absolutely. And, and y'all have flipped yeah. that, you know, again, with everything that you've done, you've, you've flipped that on its head. Tell, tell us a little bit more about cohort based learning. Cause it, to yeah. me, it, uh, it reminds me of my MBA experience in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so, so we all know that human beings learn best in small groups, like smallish groups, right? It's like since Plato or whatever, right, <laughs> I mean, like, right. like Plato's Academy, like you weren't just sitting in a room by yourself, writing stuff down, you were in conversation with other people. We've known that for a long time, university structured that way, everything's structured that way. school always. In e-learning, however, we kind of forgot that for a long time, like, right? So a lot, and, and, and there are certain things you can do digitally with e-learning that are interesting if you're on your own, right? Personalized learning paths and stuff like that, that, that are inherently individualized. But at its core for a topic like leadership, at the end of the day, you're only gonna learn so much on your own. And you're only gonna learn so much even in interaction with like a quote unquote professor. The main thing that the best long-term learning you're gonna have is from other people in a group. Now. How you that, but there's an inherent problem with the way we've structured cohort based learning historically, which is the cohort is built around a teacher or a facilitator mm -hmm. or an instructor. There's there's a human being that organizes and runs the cohort. So your MBA, you know, you were in a cohort, but you guys didn't spontaneously organize. You were there and brought to places at a particular time right, and to be right. together. So that's the great challenge. So then, but we have clients who say, well, I have fifteen thousand managers, so I need to do this thing at the same time. So how do you, and I, you know, we can't throw 1500 facilitators at that. That's just chaos. It's, that's never going to work. Right. Um, so how do you manage that tension between scale and cohorts? So the way for us, that actually was an instruction, weirdly enough, it's an instructional design problem. It's like, if you think about how you're building the content in a different way and you're building social experiences into the flow of your design of your content, and that, and they're, and you're asking the cohort to have certain conversations with each other in the flow of that content. You can start to generate really meaningful interactions with that cohort in the absence of a of an instructor. And the the key to that actually is so like in in learning, we always talk about synchronous or asynchronous, right? That's the kind of polarity. Either you're there at the same time as other people, like we are here, or it's asynchronous means you do it whenever you want. 
we think almost all of our learning happens in something that we call semi-synchronous time zones. So basically when you take a nomadic program, you usually have four to six weeks to complete it. During that four to six weeks, you can do it however you want. You could do three minutes a day. You could do all four or five hours of the learning time all at once. But their cohort is going to be in with you during that time period. So what's going to happen is you're going to come in on your own, in your own time. You're going to take some content. You're going to see a prompt. You're going to share something. And then a few hours later, I'm going to come in. I'm going to see what you shared, and I'm going to like it and reply to it. And then you're going to get a notification that says, William, Matt just commented and liked your thing. So just like you would on Twitter or anything else, which is also semi-synchronous, you're going to say, oh, wow, somebody liked my thing. I want to know who that was. I want to see what they replied to me. I'm going to come back into Nomadic and check that out. And when you come back in, if we've done our job right, you're going to look at that and you're going to say, well, while I'm here, let me just, let me just keep going. I want to do, I do want to finish this program. I'll do the next piece of content. And then you're going to find another social prompt where now we're going to ask you to do something else. And if we, in the design, we're actually going to ask you something a little bit harder, or maybe ask you to share something a little bit more personal or tell a story. And now you're going to write that and you're going to wonder, hmm, I wonder how many likes I'm going to get for that or whatever. And that's going to keep you engaged through that whole time period. And if we do that right and design it right, those micro social interactions across a cohort will ladder up to a really meaningful, robust conversation in that group of people. And they will have never been there at the exact same time. And there will have never been a facilitator asking them to talk to each other, right? They will just start doing it. And when, you know, and again and again, when we get the design right, when we get the kind of surrounding pieces right, which is like who's communicating it, what's it for, what's the brand, et cetera, that happens all the time. So it's not unusual for us to say, like we had a client just now, they put 2,000 people through a cohort-based program. Those 2,000 people posted 35,000 comments in six weeks. And that's that's not, that's not that's high. That's a really strong, engaged group. It's not unusual. So you, and those people are coming out of that with real relationships. They've like gotten to know people. And yet, in the same way that you can get to know someone through Twitter, right? Like I know people through Twitter that I've never had any, I've never had a synchronous conversation with. I know a lot about them. I feel like I know them. Uh, but, you know, anyway, so that that key, that semi-synchronous. And then the other thing is to think about cohort size. So for a lot of people, when they talk about cohort learning, they're usually mean like 15 to 20 people. In our world, cohorts are usually a bit bigger than that. It's more like 50 people um, because you actually, you need enough people in there to, to get those comment threads moving. And there's just a certain kind of mathematical logic to who's coming in, how often and when to make sure that that kind of process gets rolling. So you need slightly more people. But if you put in over 100 people, if you put 200 people into a cohort in Nomadic, then the, the conversation threads become unwieldy. They get way too long and you can't really see who's in your group and, and you have less meaningful interaction. So we like that 50 person is about the sweet spot for us in terms of a cohort that will self-organize, take off. And that you'll actually, over the time, over the period of the program, you'll find and build meaningful relationships. Yeah, it's, it's not too small to where you feel like, you know, it, it's you're in a rowboat and it's not too big to where you can't get to get to know or meet everybody uh, in your cohort. Exactly. Um, exactly. Talk to us, you know, leadership, leadership development, you know, the stigma uh, of it being for just a certain group of people, you, you've you've said a couple of different times in different ways that you really want to help managers. Yeah, I mean managers to, to learn how to become better leaders, right? So uh, you've democratized that, and you've said, well, listen, even if you're not a manager and you want to learn how to be a great a better leader, 
there's a path for you. There's a way, there's content, there's, there's, there's interactions, there's things for you. How do companies, how do your customers, how do they know who to turn this on for and not? Yeah. I mean, so we would love to turn it on for everyone, right. obviously. Um, right. That's not usually where we start. Where we usually start is with people who are already tapped for management, the manager, you know, people right. are already tapped for leadership development for some reason. And that's usually around milestones, right? The right. new managers, the new management, that kind of thing. What, what we hope to see clients progress towards is sort of, well, actually there's no action. There's no, the, the reason why people have done that is because it's very expensive to give everybody <laughs> management training. So right. you need to, you need to like find some rules. So like, okay, we're going to give it to you because you got promoted. That's a reason to give it to you and not other people. But those restrictions make no sense in a cloud-based digital platform. The incremental cost of adding a new user to Nomadic is basically nothing. Or I mean, over time, it comes up a little bit, but like, really, there's no reason if you're going to put 6,000 people in that you couldn't have 10,000 or 20,000 or 25,000 in from a cost perspective and even from an administrative and, you know, facilitation. Again, it, a lot of that is kind of like old habits based on that sense of like, wow, I need to get these people to this place and I need to have the facilitators and the hotels and like, you know, there's, there's a lot of complexity underlying right. that need to restrict it. So, and the, the, actually the argument that ends up winning it for us. So part of it is around engagement and part of it's around finding people. And this is, I think when we talk about talent, this is maybe a little bit close to your wheelhouse is that the more people you have in there, the more, especially the more managers, the more meaningful the data is that we're producing in there. And that data then has much more relevance to the rest of the organization. So if, if you have a goal, a big goal, if your CEO has come and said, I need you to saw, like, I need leadership and leadership development to be a, a part of the retention, like solving mm -hmm. a retention crisis. Yeah, it's engagement. An employee engagement, right? Yeah. Engagement. Yeah. engagement is really where we're thinking about a lot. So you have an employee, you want to say generalize across my organization, I want employee engagement to come up. I know that the number one driver of employee engagement is the quality of the manager. That's just true for everybody pretty much, right? right. I mean, there are a lot of other things in it, but pretty much if you have a good manager, your employee engagement scores are going to be pretty good. If you have a bad manager, they're almost certainly going to be bad, right? Like that's just, yeah. So you want to make a dent in employee engagement. Okay, we can help you do that. That's an outcome we can help you achieve, but we're not, we, it's going to be hard for us to do that if we've artificially restricted who's going in there based on random things like they got promoted this year, right? Which are totally unconnected to whether they're <laughs> to their engagement scores. We would, if we're going to restrict them at all, we'd rather say, okay, managers who are in the bottom half of engagement scores are going to come in and take this program. We, okay. Well, that's better for us because that's actually something real that we can like say, okay, well, that's something we can try to help fix. And that's something we can measure over time to see if we are trying to help fix it. So, but, but even that, not amazing because there are all kinds of other reasons why the top half of managers probably should be in there too, not least of which so that they can interact with the bottom half of managers, right? You actually want those high performers in there in a social learning context because it's not just about the knowledge that everyone's acquiring, but it's about the connections they're making, the conversations they're having. And so if you've artificially restricted who's in the conversation, the conversation is probably going to be worse for ways that you couldn't have imagined in advance because you don't know what people are going to say when they get in there, who's going to be, have an interesting comment and so on. Um, so, yeah, so the democratization is partially about, you know, getting people in, get, you know, the general kind of movement of this sort of stuff down. But it's also, there's a real strategic and organizational reason, which is the more people you have in it, the more data you're producing, the more engaged they are in the learning, 
the more valuable that is in achieving big strategic outcomes for the whole, for the enterprise or for the organization overall. So what is this, what do your customers tie this to in terms of, you know, just, you know, performance management, uh, total rewards or recognition or um, succession? I mean, they can tie it to all kinds of different things, yeah. but what do you, what do you find that they, they love tying this to, or do they not tie it to something and they just kind of keep it uh, to it, to themselves and leave it off to its side? I mean, so, you know, historically, we've we've been measured on learning metrics right right completion engagement you know and and then that that we can say like okay well we we have higher completion percentages uh we generate more social activity you know you know people get better quiz scores whatever so there is that stuff which is really great and and some of that's really important for within the lmd but your question which is like what are we linking to outside right um you know that's like this is like the the 20 million no 20 billion, 100 yeah. billion, trillion yeah. dollar question in yeah. L&D, right? I, what we think now is that for a long time, it was really hard and people would do crazy stuff like, okay, people came in, they did this program and now my 50,000 person organization is more profitable. And you're like, huh, really? Did you do that with your management program? You made P&G more profitable or whatever, right? It seems unlikely. But what we do have now is like granular data often down to the manager level around things like employee engagement. Employee engagement is one that we think about a lot because, you know, people are doing pulse surveys that like, that's no longer just this kind of one-off monolithic data set. It's a much more nuanced, much more granular, much more agile and frequently updated data set. So we, we are pushing more and more to say, we want to tie our performance to real metrics and to do it down to, if possible, the manager or even the individual contributor level, uh, that's that's harder at the moment. But the manager level is like, you know, for somebody who's using one of these advanced listening platforms, like, you know, Glint or the other ones, uh, Medallia, any of those, um, and Qualtrics um, and, you know, increasingly Workday, like that, that data is there. And so tying it to us is shouldn't be that hard. Um, it's not hard technically. I mean, it's just APIs and just talking to each other. It's sometimes hard organizationally um, and politically because, you know, sometimes people are probably nervous about what they're going to find right. if they're connecting all these things together. And so, you know, part of our job is to kind of say like, yeah, it's, you can feel confident that it's going to be fine, that you're going to have real meaningful results and the clients who do that can show. So engagement is the one we think about the most, but we're also thinking about, um, I mean, tying to total rewards like usually that's outside of us right that's like right. okay once we've done something you can do that but there are other big things that we're thinking about like productivity mm -hmm. um if you have measures of innovation of creativity calm. yeah calm, uh, agility is something that we're thinking about a lot or like um influence is another one which is like influence is a weird one because that's we we help people it's sort of a, and this is a sort of reversal for a learning platform usually learning is telling you Someone did, the, they were, they were this way, then they did the learning experience. Now they're this way. And that means this, right? What also learning can do if it's well done is say, we put 10,000 people in and let us tell you what we learned about them. We're going to show you who are the top 100 most influential people in this region based on their performance in this learning, not, not anything else, just the data that we see here. We're going to help you find hidden talent because of what the data is telling you inside the learning. So influence is an interesting one. We're like, there's no external thing for us to link that to, but we, we can become a source of insight into who's influential in your organization 
again, if the pool is broad enough and, you know, like if there's enough people in there. So um, that, that to us is like the, the future of ROI and learning is one of two ways. It's either tying to these metrics like engagement or productivity uh, that are now really, you can get much more granular or producing data that the organization needs that you can't find other places. And a lot of that is about insights into talent and helping to discover and find high potential or, or kind of hidden talent that you might not have otherwise seen. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I love Nomadic. I love your all's approach actually uh, to, to making it a better experience for the user, the end user, making it a better experience for everybody involved. And again, you know, again, the, the social, the part where you got to comments and likes and people interacting with each other, that's what you want. And you're doing it around learning, which is fascinating because you could do that around other things that aren't about learning, uh, but you're doing it around learning and they're, and they, People are getting better, which again, kind of, it is engagement, uh, you know, by its very definition, it's, it is engagement, but it gives them a fighting chance of actually retaining that talent uh, because the, this, the, the company cares enough to have Nomadic in place for them to be able to do that. So thank you, you know, Matt, thanks. Thank you so much for carving out time and coming on the Use Case Podcast. It was great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.